Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster. My name is K.S. Bowling, and it's uh, just the twosome again just today. Just the solo one today. Uh, how are you doing, Owen? You had a big weekend. I'm doing... We did. It was my birthday, and so um, everyone got to celebrate, and uh, yeah, just had a really good time, So, um, but good to be back and uh, talking about some movies, man. Yeah, um, I think most of us were celebrating like it was also our birthday because uh, yeah, I know, I I know I can vouch for a few people that we were pretty. It, it was a Monday today. It was a day, yes, <laughs> of, of yes. solid recovery. Um, Very true. It was, it was funny. I did put like we took around the shots with Owen yesterday at Waterman's, and I put it up on the back to the blockbuster like Instagram story page. And, yeah. Um, and then uh, you actually got a few uh, messages from people that listened that said happy birthday. I forgot to tell you that yesterday. Oh, that's so I, nice. Thanks, um, guys. So that was pretty cool. And um, we had a pretty good uh, week with Back to the Blockbuster, the Doctor Strange episode. Um, we got positive feedback on from people that thought we discussed it well. And then um, even though Owen didn't get to be on this episode that we did for Friday the 13th, um, it ended up being really good. Like, I think... Uh, and so it's a big homework assignment to be like, hey, there's like 12 movies. Um, yeah. Figure this, figure this out. So yeah. It, That's why we decided to review it all in one so that you guys yeah. don't have to watch 12. Right. So um, Owen can be on that day because, you know, he was like, I've been up since three for work. And like when one of us asked the adult, you know, I basically asked him like, hey, is it OK if I have other people on? And he was like, That's fine. And they were all like Friday the 13th fans. Um, mm-hmm. One of them I actually used to work for. Um, and we got a lot of positive feedback on that as well. So I wanted to think again, nice. uh, David, David Gonzalez, who is a founder of realtalkinc.com and the real Chronicles podcast, as, as well as it's eighties horror movie offshoot chop talk. He was on, and uh, I actually used to write for we'll talk for over two years. I was on their podcast in the beginning when they started it. Um, so it was cool to kind of, uh, reconnect with him on that level and like kind of talk right. we we're both into horror movies so uh it was a really yeah i'm sad that I, i'm sad that i missed it but uh the episode was great I mean, you guys had a lot of really good things to say about it so um uh, thanks guys for being on really appreciate that yeah it's cool yeah and also uh kurt morrison who's also his co-host on chop talk and it has his own podcast uh the top five film dive and then robert stew who is also part of the stew world order podcast they were all very good appreciate you coming on and uh yeah, it was great. And it was cool to have two episodes that week because, like, when you put out more episodes, there's a big signal boost. So, like, everyone, yeah. it, was, it was it was nice to kind of give people, like, two different uh, options to listen to mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. And we went long, and we went long <laughs> on the Friday the 13th one. It was two hours and 45 minutes. I contemplated, like, with playlists about cutting it into two episodes. They yeah. actually did. They did at one point, and they thought that it kind of interrupted the flow. Um, mm. so we actually went with the two hour and 45 minute one and there are reasons and that part of the reasoning I think was like, whoever is a fan of those movies will listen to it straight through. So, yeah. um, fans of the movies, they did listen to it straight <clears throat> through that. It was really, really cool chat. And they like that. Uh, even when you're on and we have guests, they like that. We are very accommodating and very, uh, good with new people being on. And it kind of yeah. feels like they, they weren't just like thrown in, like, you know, to the wolves, like I have no idea what's going on or what we're talking exactly. about. Um, I feel like we did maybe. a pretty good job um, of uh, accommodating. I mean, I hate to pat ourselves on the back, but I feel like we do a pretty good job trying to include everybody and uh, give them their chance to um, say something. So I think we do a good job. Yeah, and it's cool because they feel like the important, the important thing is that they feel like they've kind of been there and they don't feel like this. And so like the yeah. conversation is very natural. Like I know like mm-hmm. from our listeners, people have uh, 
pointed to Antonio a lot because uh, he's been a really great guest, and then also Mark, who's been on twice. Antonio has been on twice. Yeah, as from well. the Scream episodes. Yeah, so they they were there. Um, they point to people like that who are like they just seem like they've just been with you the entire time. So like, you know, it is mm-hmm. cool having us too, and like because we can riff a lot, but it's also kind of cool to have like new blood on. And it's nice to have an, uh, an expert. It's nice to have an expert like Antonio on uh, when he's been yeah. doing this for many years, and so we kind of yeah. get a glimpse into our future. Yeah, his uh, his podcast voice is like perfect, the most perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like he's been doing radio for decades. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think if I could, I can't even try to imitate it. it. Like, it sounds like you are listening to someone on the radio. Uh, it's very smooth, it, and he actually knows what he's talking about. It just, it, it really seems cool. like, I mean, he's quiet for so long, and then I don't hear any ums. Every word is so calculated. It's perfect. Great yeah. conversation. So he's a good person to learn from. So yeah. But yeah, yeah. That, that was that was fun last week. But this week we have some new stuff for you. But let's we haven't done this in a while. What have you watched recently over the weekend or the last few days? Yeah, so um, I actually um, so I took some uh, day off work today. I get um, very lucky. I'm able to get a birthday holiday, so um, took that today, which was actually much needed, which was nice. Um, and uh, actually, I, I've been um, getting into Jenny and I have been watching the OC. And uh, I know I joked about it with you before, and you you've been listening to the podcast with Rachel Bilson, um, and uh, God, who's who's uh, the other actor? Melinda Clark. Clark. She plays uh, she plays Julie Cooper on the OC. Oh, okay. Gosh, I hate yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what? You know, I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin it. You will like learn to like kind of love hate yeah. her. Like it's, it's a little. It's a little. But she does start off kind of mm-hmm. as like a, a villain. And then yeah. they kind of like they they give her some. They do give her some they, layers. They give her some. Okay, good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm only. I think I'm on season two now. I don't know how many episodes because there felt like a pretty significant shift when they start going to high school. Like when they yeah, actually well, start oh, yeah. going. I'm, Is that I'm the beginning of season? No, I'm going to give you like a little bit of correction because like season one was really long. It was like 20 something episodes, 27. Oh, okay. Because yeah. the first season, uh, well, when they started, they started the show during the summer of, I mm-hmm. think, 2003. 2003 is when it started. And yeah. um, they, they ran it as a summer show for seven episodes. So the first seven ends with the, the Tijuana trip. Yep. Um, that was like that was like the finale of the seven episode. And then they're like, "Wait, like, people like this, so we need to right. reorder it." <laughs> right. So it was a it was really a test run to kind of see if the show would work. And <clears throat> a lot a lot of people were like, "Oh, like no one's gonna watch a show like that during the summer." But it, mm-hmm. there hadn't been a, like a, a young skewing show like that in <clears throat> a while that really yeah. appealed to like young people. So like young people who were at home were definitely watching it, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Fox, like, I mean, this this happens sometimes with shows like this. Fox was like, yeah. "Hey, it, hey, it's a hit. We already had seven episodes. Let's order twenty more. It'll still be considered season one." So like, mm-hmm. their their some their summer season started in <clears throat> August. I think they had like a little bit of a break, and they came back in like September, October, and then ran. Okay. Uh, and twenty seven episodes, guys. Like, we talked about this a little bit with TV. Right now, like it. That's no unheard one of. Really, like that no is one, unbelievable. No, yeah. No one yeah. wants that now because like I mean, not even to- even Family Guy does like I think their seasons are now like only eleven, maybe ten episodes. Yeah, so like networks, network TV now, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit with like cancellations and renewals. Network TV is kind of like on life support, so it it's near impossible to have twenty something episodes on network TV. And it costs too much. Just, it costs too much now. With the, yeah, especially with the way ratings are now. Like live ratings at the time the OC started. Like I think at one point it was averaging like nine, ten million um, million viewers an episode, and, and that's something then, like American yeah. Idol doesn't even get that anymore. Like right. you, you could you'd be lucky to. And yeah, and this was how like strong the OC was at one point, 
they used to call American Idol, they used to call it the Death Star, like from Star Wars, because mm-hmm. like American Idol would like get killed. It's going to blow everything out no matter what. Right. So like, so then they started airing the OC after American Idol because it was like a big lead in. And that only boosted uh, the OC's like popularity, uh, <clears throat> especially during season one. Like season one, like, I mean, you'll, I think you'll get to a point with the show where you'd be like, OK, I can see where things went off the rails. <laughs> but, I, I'm, but, like so many things have already happened. And, and I'll say I, I really do like the show. It's got a lot of nostalgia because it's like all of that early 2000s, uh, the way they dress. I mean, those low rise pants that um, gosh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mel- is it Melissa? Uh, oh, the character uh, Mar- Marissa, uh, Misha, uh, Marissa Misha Barton. Misha Barton. Yeah, I think I think she does a great job. I mean, it's it's such a it, it really pulls up my heartstrings. I'm not gonna lie. Like it, you, there are some moments where you're just like, oh, I kind of want them to be together or not. Um, yeah. I think the uh, the character who plays Seth, he's okay. does a fantastic job. Yeah, Adam Brody does a good job, and I love uh, the character of Sandy. Um, I really think that like it's 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 really cool because I I don't think I've seen a show really that. Um, especially that early on that they have this sort of the woman is the breadwinner and he's I mean obviously he get, does get a really nice job eventually like I just got to the point yeah. where you just started with the new firm but yeah. like it was cool to see it's like hey I just go and surf and my wife makes the money and I'm happy with that and they wasn't like a power struggle or something like they were both yeah um, just like happy with them and it's so funny too um, since we live in Hermosa I mean I see like you can see mermaid in the back sometimes and um, just like seeing all the um, different landmarks is really cool because that's I mean that's where it was filmed. So yeah, so like for people that don't know the OC, I mean it was it's supposed to be Orange County, California. Yeah, um, they we are not didn't shoot in the OC. <laughs> they, did, they did not. They did not shoot in Orange County. Um, they did like the only images you'll really get from Orange County are like the aerial like establishment shots that they yeah. kind of like you know take like take a helicopter and like, like we promise we're in the OC. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of the OC was actually shot in parts in Hermosa Beach, a vast majority in South Redondo on their pier and like some of their locations. Um, yeah. And then the actual and the actual like set, like the Cohen house and all that stuff was actually filmed in Manhattan Beach Studios, which is like all within like it's all close to where we live. Um, yeah. So they, they do a good job of faking the OC unless you live yeah. here. And then you see like your landmarks in the background. Like, like that. yeah. that's definitely there's, there's, there's just some iconic, there's just some iconic lines. I mean, like, welcome to the OC, bitch. bitch. Or um, like, you're, like, honey, you are from Riverside. Like, so, oh, so, yeah. like certain lines like that are just like so iconic. Life. One of my favorite things that she says, he's like, he said I was from Riverside. And he's like, you are from Riverside. And she's like, it was his tone. (laughs) It's just so funny because, like, we do, I mean, while while not everyone is a, uh, like, rich snob in Newport, like, there is that. So it's funny to see, like, kind of the thing. Like, they all go to Cotillion, and it's, like, it's so funny. So, but I've been watching that. And then I also actually just – I just watched uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It was just one of those movies that we talk as Shawshankable. It's just, it's always so good. And it's so funny. I swear, every, I swear every time I watch it, there's another joke that I forgot about that makes me laugh. And that actually inspired so I, I'm just in the middle of watching uh, Getting to the Greek, and it's the same like spinoff. So Aldous Snow with, um, yeah. Uh, what's, what's, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jonah, uh, with, uh, so get him to Jonah Greek, and, and, and Russell Brand, and then Peter Russell Brand. Russell had, Brand. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it's it's funny because like that movie kind of seems like a sort of fuck around stoner like 
comedy, yeah. but it actually has like some heart to it. Like there's, they talk about addiction. They talk about like him reconnecting with his dad. What happens when you fail? Cause he puts out a bad album. Um, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of good things about it that I think kind of get, get brushed over when you just kind of play the trailer. So, but uh, that's, it's yeah. good. So that's what, I've been, that's what I've been watching. So forgetting Sarah Marshall, like, cause I, I'm one of those people with Russell Brand. Like I like him in small doses. Yeah. So forgetting Sarah Marshall has just enough Russell Brand mm-hmm. for me to be like, all yeah. right, he's funny when he's the lead. I mean, I guess <clears> I, sh- <throat> I should, I should watch him to the Greek again. Cause usually when he's a lead, he's, it's a little too much. Um, yeah. But I mean, I forgetting Sarah Marshall, he's like in it just enough and he's really funny. So and good. So actually, good. I, think he, I think he might like steal a lot of that movie. <laughs> just like his that, I mean, that's that's so my great. favorite role that he's that's my favorite role that he's ever done. I mean, he's he's a very eccentric person in general. So it's like I feel like even if I were to meet him, I probably could only take him in small doses. So I feel like yeah. that's probably like like I listened to the podcast on uh, Armchair Expert with him, and like his he's just so profound. Like everything is about like something super breathtaking or like this is why we are on this earth and i'm like all right can we just like come back a bit like like, let's just scale back so i I totally agree with you like i think him as like a i mean basically a tertiary character is uh it's perfect right oh and i want to give like another shout out to the oc because when josh schwartz created that show he was in his 20s he was at i think at the time the the youngest showrunner uh on TV at the time. And like a lot of that, a lot of his experience with the OC was based on like him going to USC and then those kind of people that he was yeah. around. Cause, cause like if you, if you ever see John Schwartz in interviews or if you decide to like listen to or watch the podcast, cause he's been on a few episodes of Welcome to the OC Bitches with Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark. He is I'm going to start listening to that because yeah. it's, it would actually be really cool to like keep watching it as I hear them talk about it. Right, and they're really funny together. And like when you listen to Josh Schwartz, Josh Schwartz is Seth Cohen. Like Seth Cohen is Josh Schwartz. Like that was he yeah. was like looking looking at the OC and all these kind of like rich affluent people through the eyes of Seth Cohen. And yeah. uh, and even though like it's not that like Josh Schwartz came from, like, he wasn't poor or anything like that, but he never really felt like he felt fit, fit in. in within with the like you know like the more affluent people that were, that he was around. I mean, it's, a, it's a thing. It's like, if you're not from there, then you don't really get it. And so right. they have a hard time necessarily like accepting people in. But the thing is, once you do, then you know, everyone's a good person, but it's like, right. it's exactly. kind of got like, it's kind of got like soap opera vibes a little bit. Oh, it and definitely like, does. It's definitely a prime I really like the character of, um, I really like Ryan, but yeah. like, he's so his whole, his, he's <laughs> his such whole a sad boy his, his such a he's such a sad boy because his only look is like depressed or confused like <laughs> looking all like just kind of puppy eyes like you should feel sorry for me yeah like, that, that's kind of his game and i'm like i i get it but it gets old a little bit quickly and it's i mean Dude, I feel I like I'm super certain, invested in it there's certain things i can't wait for you to get to like i like i'm just gonna need you to text me when they start, yeah. when when the when the Oliver episodes start in season one, and you get through like three or four of them, I just want you to be like, "What the fuck?" Oliver? <laughs> okay, I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting. Yeah. I so the point that I just, the point that I'm at right now is basically they just got, um, they just kind of started doing their high school stuff. So, um, like, she's like, it's on. He's on the soccer team and stuff like that, and like they're kind of going through. And it's like post uh, post Tijuana because uh, Marissa. Yeah. Would be- OD'd there. That shit, and like, so. that shit got dark pretty quick. Like that was the kind of thing where they could have, like, 
they were like, we're, we're going to go all out because we might get canceled. <laughs> so they just, really well, yeah, well, you know what? They wrote they wrote that finale, like, not really knowing, like, entirely, like, what they were going to get picked up for, yeah. if they were going to get picked up. Because it was like, it really was a summer test run that Fox was like, Fox did something very similar in the 90s with 90210. They had a whole summer season. And then they realized, mm. like, okay, and this is when 90210 was in its second season, I believe. And nice. that's when 90210 blew up because it was like, it was every network tv not so much now because now there's all this like counter like programming with like reality yeah. tv and stuff but back in the day network tv didn't air original shows during the summer because like no mm-hmm. one's home or to watch but then they yeah. found out like the whole like youth market was like star for something to watch so like yeah. they were watching they were watching the show and then the same thing that happened with the oc and i, I wanted to ask you this at what i have always appreciated about that show and even the show even the shows that like josh Schwartz did after like gossip girl and stuff he does a good job of integrating the teen storylines and then the adults because sometimes on those shows they ignore I the 100 percent agree and right. honestly like it's really cool to see like i think it's a really good example of like what a healthy relationship looks like especially with the uh, at least where i'm at now it's like yeah. yes they have their issues but they talk about it and sometimes they don't say what they should and sometimes they need to take something back but like they love each other and they are actually like hey like let's work on these issues one mistake's not gonna change everything unless you steal four million dollars then you're gonna get divorced but, <laughs> <laughs> but like i think it does, I think it does a really it's, good job just kind of portraying like portraying how sometimes you can be stupid when you're young but the one okay i was gonna say this you remember when um the grandpa has his birthday party. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His girlfriend is like a pedophile. Like, yeah, yeah, she like six, she's like he's supposed years. to be sixteen. He's supposed to be sixteen years old, and she's yeah. like, "I'm bored." Like, yep, like yep, yep. fuck. And like, this is like, two, and this is like 2003, four. So like, it's, it's. Okay, I don't think that this it got glossed over. Yeah, it got glo- it got glossed over then. then I don't think they can it, gloss over now. He told Seth, and then they were just like, "All right, cool." Like they never yeah. mention it again. <laughs> so it's like, what yeah. The fuck? yeah, it's a, it, it, and it gets more. I mean, keep in mind that this show is only on for four seasons, and they do, and they're packing a lot into even that first season. There's like so much going on, mm-hmm. but at least it's always entertaining, and the characters are fun. And yeah, it's uh, good. And like, yeah, and then like Sandy, I think Sandy Cohen, I think all, he was like rated in like Entertainment Weekly or some other. I think multiple pu- uh, publications said Peter Gallagher's Sandy Cohen is like one of the best TV dads ever. He like is he really like he's like he's like when you listening to him talk or like him interact with like Seth and Ryan and his wife like you like it, it, he's just like you don't you don't see that all the time on TV and like it's so it's incredibly like really cool. well written it's so well yeah. written and what and I mean obviously they're just words on a page until you can get someone to do it but Peter Gallagher does an unbelievable job um, like. I, I gave kudos to him, and I, I agree with any of those lists that ranks him at the top. So, yeah, uh, it's just one of those characters where you are constantly rooting for them, and everything he says, you're like, "That's good advice," or certain things like that. And <laughs> like, I need to write that. I need to write that down. Yeah, you're like, "That's my." <laughs> you're like, "Yeah." So it's pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a it's a fun show. But man, yeah, when you get to Oliver, I'm just gonna need like like we'll bring it up again like once he gets there. Okay. Oliver Oliver is a trigger for fans of the OC. In really? That first season, in that first season, because like suddenly, like every character gets stupid except for one. <laughs> so you're just like, why? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what the hell is going on? Oh. But yeah, when you get there, it's gonna be great though. 
Yeah, uh, I'm excited. Really looking forward to it. Um, as far as what I watched, I didn't really watch a lot over the weekend, but I did watch because I was also laid out in bed after doing work <laughs> from mm-hmm. the weekend. I did watch the new Firestarter. Um, oh, it's, nice. It's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not I was going to really say, good. is there a reason that it's not getting any hype? Um, I think what's weird because Universal and Blumhouse, like Blumhouse is like the studio that is like insidious. Yeah. They've done the, like the Halloween, the new Halloween movies. Like usually they know how to promote their like horror films. And like when I was like yeah. looking, when I was looking, I was like, hey, F- Firestarter, like I saw a billboard and I almost forgot that it was coming out on Friday the 13th. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, that is a perfect date. At least, at least that opening day, you could actually make a, a good argument to like promote the hell of it, out of it for that day. Totally. So like people... Like people will go rush and see it, but then I saw that they did like a day and date thing on Peacock, and I kind of think that they knew they had a stinker and like kind of used uh, the Damn, Peacock okay. stream, the Peacock streaming thing to kind of like mitigate whatever losses they would get at the box office because it only made three point eight million dollars this weekend. Yeah, um, it got and it got a C minus cinema score from moviegoers that saw it on opening day. That's not even good for horror movies. I I feel like that's it sucks because I actually do like Zac Efron. I think he's a great actor um he's gotten typecast as like this hot douchebag pretty much so i think for him to be able to branch out like i thought he did really well in um the ted bundy sort of docuseries Mm -hmm. sort of thing um and i I think he's he's just getting started pretty much but to have a movie come out like that i'm just like damn dude like that sucks yeah Uh, but also i I don't think the premise like if whatever they promoted it i mean you know i'm a big trailer guy and i like to see um, all the right. commercials and stuff, and that one didn't do it for me for sure. I was just like, okay, you know so she, she's like, she's, and this is the thing. This is what the MCU has done is it saturated this market where I'm like, cool, I get to go see. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> all right, so this is basically a, a person who has special skills. Cool, I've seen a lot of that before, and so yeah, just there, I, there was nothing that really stood out of the page. It, it yes, it might have been. I mean, you, you and I constantly are talking about we want original content and not some other stuff, but. This one felt like sort of a cheap, like, hey, let's just let's do that. Even though it's a new story, I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, because it is a it's a reboot, but like they were the the original movie that came out in '84 with Drew Barrymore has often been accused of not following totally Stephen King's story for that. Oh, so 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 there was so there was some optimism that like, all right, if they really follow the story it could be good, but I think there is something just inherently not that interesting in that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause it, I mean the original movie, I'm not like, it's not like it's terrible, but it's not like in the world of like horror films is not something that really stands out. And, um, Drew Barrymore is good in it. You know, she was super young when she made it, but, um, and even in this new one, um, Zac Efron, I, you know, we talk about like his career and like, I feel like he should be getting better roles. He is good in the movie. It's not the problem. He needs is a new agent. He needs a new he agent. Just, That's what he needs. He definitely <laughs> needs a new agent. And like, because I feel like this is a guy that could be like doing like Marvel movies. I mean, he was like, he's been rumored to be like, like, you know, people want him to play. They want him to play Adam Warlock, but now someone else is playing him in Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. 3. Like, he's been fan casted a bit as like John, oh, uh, that's Johnny right. Storm. I forgot Sorry, about Johnny, that. As Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. Like, I feel like he should be getting like Shanning Tatum kind of roles. And like, so true. And, so true. And like, I don't know what it is per se. Like, it, 
because he's not like it's not like he's not talented. He's good at comedy. He's good in drama. I think he kind of I think he more than proved himself a long time ago. Even that he yeah. I is, mean, is do you think it's because do you think it's because he's kind of been focusing on some of his other projects? Like I know we had that sort of travel show. Yeah, um, he was in, he did, he was in like, Australia. Kind of, Australia. Yeah, Australia. like he was kind of basically being a nomad and like traveling a lot. And I mean, that's super cool, but that's like not like the typical role for him necessarily. And I think maybe he took a little bit of a step back. He's like, you know, I'm going to focus on something that like a project that I'm interested in. Uh, yeah, I kind of do my own thing for a bit, but yeah, I don't know, I feel like from- his last big hit was like Neighbors. Yeah, I was like, I was trying to think about like what movie that he did that was like a box office hit, and I, not even counting Baywatch, the second. One. Baywatch didn't really do that well. No, Baywatch, Baywatch flopped. The second Neighbors did okay, but not nearly as good as the first one. Um, yeah, yeah, he's someone that should be having at least more consistent box office hits. He should be in better mm-hmm. movies. He's thirty four years old, so it's not like he's like a has been. Uh, like he's like, I like he's, right, he's, yeah, he's it, still he can still play any twenty year old character. Like right. he still got that going for him. So, and then like, you know, I'm 37 and like someone brought it up. Uh, actually someone from work uh, on Joe Bill was like, God, I feel so old that we're like at a point now where Zach Efron can play a dad in the movie. I was like, I know it does feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, this oh. guy is now playing dads. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would still encourage if you want to check out Firestarter, you can check it out. I, it just wasn't for me, but no. Was there any twists? Of- or was it pretty predictable? It seems no, like it's pretty predictable. It was pretty by the book, and like it really kind of followed. Like it wasn't if you're like someone at the Hollywood Reporter was like, if you're gonna remake something, you gotta try to make it better, and it almost followed the same familiar beats that the original did. And it's like, all right, we already have that. I mean, just yeah, if you want, if you just, let's do about gonna, this. Yeah, if you're gonna spruce it up with like better effects and all that stuff, it has to be more than that. Um, yeah, I guess the best way I can say it is like it was kind of a pointless remake. It wasn't necessary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do hate to. Uh, crap on it because like he i mean he was like, I, feel like a, I feel like a good a good example of one that i'm excited for that looks like they did spruce it up is stuff like uh like bullet train like that yeah. looks like it's going to be awesome and they're going to change something and, and maybe add something different than the the original um right. whereas this is just kind of just like hey here you go here's the same movie just looks a little bit better <laughs> yeah and you know, you know what, this might not everyone might not agree with this but a good example of remaking a stephen king movie and then trying to make it different uh, 2019 when they remade Pet Cemetery, um, mm-hmm. I thought it did a good job because in the original one thing happens to one of the kids, and in this one they switched the kids out like who it happens to, and it You're actually gave it, it. Yeah. and it actually gave it a much like a, a kind of a it it hit differently because the kid that it happens to in the remake is older, so there was a lot more that uh, that that sh- they could do with it. Yeah, uh, uh, and. And it also is like, okay, also another. It is a good yeah, example as well. That's I mean that's a good example. At least chapter one is a good example of like being way better than the TV movie. Yeah. Um, you know you know of course it it's a huge book so they have to break it up into like two movies and like I, but I even think even as a whole if you look at it chapter one and it chapter two as a whole it's still better than like the TV uh, uh, movie that came out in the early nineties. So there yeah. is a way to remake that stuff and like I will make say it though better. I think that the tv movie in the 90s that version of the clown is even is oh, scarier yeah well yeah it's, right, it's like more, it's natural this, it's natural it's it, not looks like real, it looked like it could happen like that was something that i was always afraid of i think it was on some tv when i was a kid and i like looked at it and i just had i had nightmares about it for sure that freaking clown man like i am not a fan of that shit but yeah. i i did like the i did like the remake um i think they did a good job and and 
they were able to do a lot. And it was definitely scary for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, of course, remakes of anything are not going to stop. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually not against reboots or remakes because sometimes they can be, they can improve yeah. upon stuff. And, um, this one just didn't do it. And it's unfortunate because, like, Blumhouse, I love Blumhouse because they are the kings of making, like, micro budgeted, like, really good horror movies. And, yeah. Like, but, I mean, but, you know, they, they don't always you know, knock it out of the park, but, like, most of the time they do. Um, but yeah, I really think that they kind of knew this one wasn't going to be it, which is why they were like, okay, let's So they kind of like, pushed it off to Peacock. Yeah, and then of course, you know, if they get strong numbers on Peacock, they can be like, well, it didn't do well in theaters, but look at our like streaming numbers for yeah. it. So it's a way to kind of like, I think, cut their losses. It was a $12 million budget. It's not going to make that back in theaters. Um, no. So hopefully it makes that back somehow. They're going to take Peacock. the L on this one. Yeah, they are. Um, but let's get into a, a little bit of news. Um, I thought this was like an interesting item because uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are making the rounds, uh, getting ready to promote uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that starts at the end of the month. Um, and they brought Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen brought up an interesting thing about the Star Wars prequels. And like, okay. as, I think like most of you know that like a lot of people at the time when they came out didn't really enjoy them. And minus the third one, the third one gets lumped in with the other two. Yes, um, but they As weren't like they weren't entirely well received at the time. So Ewan McGregor basically admitted that he had like a kind of like different outlook on how fans kind of and critics how they took it at the time, and like it took him a long time to revisit it. But he said this about what he thinks about it now and why he thinks that like. All right, those movies were made for a certain audience, and I think they work. And I want to know if you agree with what he has to say. Um, he says what we didn't hear at the time was people your age, basically like people who kind of grew up with them at the time, like you know, yeah. so ninety nine, like on on until we mentioned the Sith. Yep. Uh, okay, what we didn't hear at the time was people your age, your generation. Those people now really love our films, but it's taken us fifteen years to hear that. It's really nice. It's changed my relationship with Star Wars. It's different because of what I think. We really put our heart and soul into them, and they were difficult to make. And he also kind of points out that, like, they were made for a younger audience, right? They were meant to kind of be kid-friendly, and that they mm -hmm. weren't really necessarily made for, like, maybe people that grew up with Star Wars in the 70s, or the late 70s yeah. through the 80s. I want to know if you agree with that answer, or is that kind of like a cop-out? Like, oh, like, <clears throat> well, people didn't love them then, but, like, we were learning that people were loving them now. Um, I, I definitely agree with them. Um, I have always liked them. I'm not the typical Star Wars fanatic that needs everything to be perfect. Um, I really enjoy the movies. I actually like, um, like the, the prequels are my favorites. I actually like them more than the, um, four, five and six. Like those, those are the movies that I grew up with. So it's like, I, they, they came, I was, I remember waiting in line to see Revenge of the Sith when it came out in theaters. And like that was super cool, and it's still to my day to this day my favorite uh, of the Star Wars films. It's hard because, like, like you said, he's been doing this for fifteen years, and he's been like, I, I really think that he's found a way to kind of redirect the backlash for a long time. And at this point, like, you probably have something in the back of your brain that is like your go to go to scripted response. And I think this is a perfect way for him to say, like, you know what? If you don't like it, you don't like it. If you do, thank you. Uh, I'm proud of it. I still like now that um, it's been a little bit of time. Like I'm okay with my character as well, so I'm looking to revisit it. Love the fact that Hayden Christensen is getting work. Like I wonder um, how he's been making a paycheck for the last 15 years. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, 
I'm excited to see him back. I think he's probably had, hopefully, watched some film. And uh, <laughs> I'm interested to see his uh, his acting skills go back to work because definitely yeah. had some issues with that that character in general. I think that it's just really hard to see like how nine years you see this little tiny kid and then like and- my main issue with like my main issue with the second uh, movie. And I know we have we were going to talk about Attack of the Clones, but I'll just it's like he finally sees Padme again after years yeah. and. The first thing he says is, Obi-Wan won't listen to me. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> like, yeah. all he does is just start, he just starts complaining. And I was, I was like, dude, like, what it's is like this? A, like, he gets in a huff. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, that that's, because he kind of plays like a little whiny guy and in the second one for sure. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what his character is, is going to be like uh, in, in this new stuff. So, yeah, you know, I want to, I, I will give Hayden Christensen, um so like he's not bad in the third movie i actually think he even though there's 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 always like my issue with the prequels have always been issues with the script like i think george lucas is really good at yeah. universe building he's he's good of course he not good at writing yeah yeah he's created star wars so he is he has a big imagination and like he's really good at the universe building he's not good at writing like were we joking actors. about this the other day where it's just like, <laughs> like yeah i, I mean, hate he's, sam he's, yeah, yeah, he's sand. Sand. It's everywhere, and I was like, "Dude, and, who wrote this scene?" <laughs> and, and he's also not like a good. And it's hard to say this because, like, Star Wars: A New Hope is a classic, right? But I don't think he's a good director of actors either. Like, I mean, you have people who are normally really good that are just kind of flat. Like Natalie Portman is not a flat actress; like she no. can act. And in those movies, it's just like, oh, just like cringe. And then Samuel L. Jackson, of course, they soften him up because he's not his usual, like you know, like. Yo, motherfucker, this like he has to calm it down, yeah, right? Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. but you can, but you can calm him down and still get a good performance from him. Like, it's just, yeah. You know, he George Lucas is all about effects and like, you know, that he's good at that. But like, I think what gets lost in that translation is he doesn't know how to like really engage with like the performers who are in his films. And I think in at least he's in that second, one, the, he's not bringing uh, Daniel Day Lewis out. Like, right. he's not going to bring out that type of performance. So I guess like what I will say for about Hayden Christensen at the time when he was kind of getting shit uh, between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, I used to always say, "All right, he's a good actor though because if you watch a movie like Life Is a House or Shattered Glass, he gives great performances in those. He's a he's a good yeah. actor. So it's all it's all about like you know." And at the, at the same know, time, regardless of what anyone says about him, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role. Exactly. Like, and, you, like, yes, it's and someone else could have done it, but. I think that I love those movies and he's part of them. And like, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role. Right. And like, I will say this uh, about him. He did admit that like back in the, when he did attack of the clones, Revenge of the Sith, he was aware of like the negative feedback he was getting. And what he says now, like, cause this is how interesting I'll, I'll say interesting. I don't want to get anyone mad. Star Wars fans are all over the place sometimes. Cause they will be like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And then suddenly they're like, yeah, so when he got cast yeah. in the when he got cast in the Obi Wan series, it, it those same people, <laughs> yeah, those, it takes those a same certain people. amount of years. They're like, all right, we're over it. You know what? We actually really liked it. Sorry for giving you shit for all those years. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so like the same people that were like talking shit about him were like praising the fact that he was brought back for this. But I will say it's cool that he not only is he getting brought back for this, he's also getting brought back. Uh, Rosaria Dawson has like a Star Wars series that they're shooting. He's on yeah. the in that. Um, and what he said recently uh, after the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones, he says, 
what he's realized after being cast again in the Obi-Wan series is that it's been so heartwarming for Star Wars fans to finally embrace me. I guess the moral of the story is patience. And I think that's a good thing for him. To, I love that. To say, and like, you know, like he, he took his lumps and I mean, and, and like, honestly taking his lumps and then coming back to what could have been them being like, Oh, why is he back? I mean, that yeah. kind of takes uh, a little courage on it's his like part. Facing to kind your of, fears right there for sure. Yeah, but I think what this kind of does, and of course we haven't seen the show yet, so we don't know, but I think what this might end up doing, this will be a full circle, like, you know, his retribution basically for like what he kind of went through while he made those two movies and when they were being released and like what people were saying then. Um, I, I honestly hope he does get more a groundswell of support, even more support after people watch it, especially yeah. if it's good. Um, but it is interesting how time changes things. Cause like, you know, I, I remember when those two movies, two movies came out that he was in and no one was nice <laughs> about how no. they, they didn't like him at all. They, and got, they were very <laughs> vocal about it. <laughs> yeah. It, he got like improved notices by the third movie, but even then it was so many people just gave him shit. And you know, I don't know his dude, his like that scene where he becomes Darth Vader is amazing. It's just yeah, he, so cool. Like the lightsaber battle in the um Sith, like, on that Mustafar, it's just yeah. like there hasn't been another sort of uh kind of scene like that in a long time. And they've tried to do it with these new ones and I you know me, I love Adam Driver. He's not the pick for that role, in my opinion. And it's like, yeah. it, it has, yeah. I has sometimes I have a hard time like rewatching those and I love to rewatch all the prequels. Yep, and you know what? You bring up a good point about the new movies. I think why a lot of people have reevaluated and gone back to the prequels is that some people don't really like the sequel trilogy. They prequels. don't like they, they don't like the they don't like Force Awakens or the last or the Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker. Like, of course they have fans, but like I think that um, I, not not so much the Force Awakens. I think what happened with the Last Jedi and then the Rise of Skywalker is they they got very divisive with fans, and then. Mm-hmm. You, of course, you look at those movies, and then they go revisit the other ones. And I think, like, time does kind of change things a little bit. Like, yeah, you, you're not you don't you don't have like all this hype attached to the prequels anymore. You don't mm-hmm. have all of this like you kind of with distance. You're like, all right, was it as bad as I thought it was? And yeah. I kind of land. I kind of land with. You. I, I mean, I don't love the first two, uh, but I I can definitely tolerate them now. Yeah, at a point where I, at a point where I couldn't before, where I was like, uh, except for Jar Jar, yeah, Jar Jar Binks is, <laughs> it still has hasn't aged well. No, <laughs> that's, that's still, that still hasn't improved. Uh, do but do like, you think that? Do you think having um, the Emperor come back in the last one kind of negates the struggle that they went through in the originals? Like, yeah, it, I thought that I thought the thing with the Emperor, um, and this is just my take on this. I think what was happening with Ryan Johnson when he made The Last Jedi, um, I think what they were setting up, it was like Snoke that was supposed to be like, it was. I think that was going to be the main, main, main villain. And then Ryan Johnson, because I've heard from multiple people that J.J. Abrams directed the first movie. Ryan Johnson came in and didn't really consult. There was no like consulting with the producers about like, where is this going? Like, what do you want me to do? He was kind of left yeah. at his own devices. And I think mm-hmm. when he did, when he killed him off, that wasn't like the plan. 
And I think what I think what JJ Abrams did when he took over the third movie is he tried to like clean all that up because so many people were upset about that. And then mm-hmm. the the best thing the best thing he could do was like, all right, let's throw in a familiar face. Everyone everyone yeah. knows the everyone knows the emperor. I always thought it was like yeah. a cheap kind of I thought it was a cheap move to do that. Because it was like, yeah, okay. I agree. Like, um but that's just my my take on it. I mean yeah, I, And then they made didn't they make her a palpatine? Like that was her Yeah. Like I was like, I feel like you're grasping at straws now to try and find some relation between all of this. Yeah, I mean, there was like, there was so much stuff I think that they had planned that they didn't follow through. Like, John Boyega's character, uh, Finn, I think that he was set up in that first movie to be more important than he was. And, and then they, they didn't, didn't really do anything. No, no, didn't utilize him at all. So And it's so crazy. Like, he's not even on the poster in China. Yes. Like, there, yeah. there was a lot of stuff about that. That was, yeah. that was some wild shit. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and that's crazy that, like, that's like, this person will not sell our movie here. <laughs> so, like, that's r- ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, um, I just wanted to kind of see what you kind of thought about that. Because I thought it was interesting that they were able to kind of look at this stuff differently now. And, like, mm-hmm. they, and they're feeling the fan embrace a bit. And, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to be. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Like, for me, these Star Wars shows on Disney Plus, like. I haven't really even gotten into Boba Fett really because it's like, I feel like they're really doing a slow burn for a lot of these. And like, even the Mandalorian, I kind of had to revisit it a couple times to kind of start getting into it again. Right. Um, and like, it ends up being really good. And I love, I, I like that show a lot, but yeah. I mean, I hate the kind of phrase when someone says like, Oh, you have to get like the first couple episodes. It takes a while to get into it. I'm like, so I have to watch six episodes for me to start liking this. <laughs> so like, well, I kind of feel like that's a little bit of like, the, like that's kind of a cop out excuse is that it it takes a while for it to get good. I'm like, all right, well, that's not really going to give me the inspiration that I've I need never, to continue watching. I've never liked that. I mean, I know like some certain shows. Yeah, I guess like maybe one or two episodes to kind of like yeah. sometimes like sometimes a pilot can be kind of like clunky and they're like, all right they're yeah. fighting their footing they're fighting their footing or whatever mm-hmm. and then by episode two or three like it finds a rhythm and like you're like all right but if i have to breaking wait like six ba- or breaking, seven breaking breaking bad is the only one that i will defend in that because obviously it's one of the best shows ever but it took like i stopped after watching season three because like i hated skylar and i was like i don't yeah. why like I was upset and frustrated watching the show because I hated her character. And I was like, but you have to just get through it because it's so good. Yeah. So that's the it's only like when- <laughs> one that I'll say it's like, you got to push. But It's like when people talk about movies, they're like, yeah, it takes about an hour to get going. I was like, well, it's 90 I'm minutes. Like, so it's only why like would I see minutes. it then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only 30 minutes a good movie? Like, like is that where you're trying yeah. to tell me? Like, oh, it takes a, it's a And by the way, I don't mind a slow burn when it comes to films because certain horror movies are like that where it's like, all right, yeah. as long as the payoff is like, if you're gonna as like long build as it's tension, worth it. Yeah, yeah, if you're gonna build tension that way and the payoff's good, I'm all about it. Um, but like don't use it as like your excuse of like, oh, it's really slow. It takes like an hour yeah. and some change. Like, <laughs> like, all right, yeah, next. <laughs> next, exactly. Um, well, we don't always talk about TV. Uh, this is a pop culture uh, podcast, even though it's called back to the blockbuster, but we are mm-hmm. we do incorporate TV. Um Actually, you know what? Before I get into this, I want to see what you thought about this because I I was like looking at the TV news I was going to look up and look okay. past G reels. I forgot. I'm, and I'm cool with it. I don't even care what the story is at this point because um, they haven't said anything about it. I know I I didn't know I needed it until they announced it. But they are doing a sequel to a simple favor. 
with Anna Kendrick Dude, and Blake, I, know, and Blake I'm, I, I saw you posted that, and I am so excited for that. Like they got all the they, left, they left it. They left it open to for it to be a like anything could happen in in this right. sequel. So yeah, like director Paul Feig is back. Of course, he directed the first one. He directed Bridesmaids. He's a very good comedic director. And as you know, if you have seen a Simple Favor, a Simple Favor kind of blends like kind of like Gone Girl thriller tropes with like this kind of like dark comedy a little bit. Especially yeah. the last, especially the last like. 30, 20 minutes, or is especially like, all right, I, I'm picking up what they're putting down. They're like kind of making fun of like that genre a little bit by coming yeah, off yeah. the rails. And like, and honestly, like Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, Henry Golding, I'll throw him in there too. I think you have to understand that material to make that material work. And I think they fully understood what the assignment was. And that's they why got that script, they, they, they knew what they were signing up for. And I think their chemistry proved it for sure. Right. Um, no word on what the story is going to be, but the girl who wrote the uh, first movie. Um, is writing the sequel. I'm just glad that they got the whole creative team back. And like, I think my only, what I think they might do with this one, because you know, like the original kind of, maybe the first hour or so, kind of is more of like a thriller esque kind of thing. You really don't know what you're gonna get. Like yeah. you're on the edge of your seat pretty much the whole time. I feel like a sequel might lean a little bit more into like the dark comedy, which I'm kind of into. Like because you already know yeah. what the you know what the situation is. You know what the setup. You don't is. have to like quote unquote get it anymore. Yeah. You kind of know you what you, have, you're going to get when you walk. Yeah, right. You don't have to like bait and switch the audience. Like they know exactly what the movie is, and like yeah, I, I kind of like like the idea that they're all right now. They can kind of full on get like really dark, but also really funny with it. Like they kind of yeah. like like I don't know if you agree that last like the 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 scenes that take place in the house to the end where like uh where like there's the fake shooting and then the real shooting and then like the whole like and then the nanny the nanny cam thing that's how she gets busted like it's so like over the top outrageous but it works like, it completely works and like honestly like you know both of the girls are good but i think that's i think that so far that is blake lively's like best performance i've seen her give i think like she completely yeah. owns owns that movie, and, and uh, I, I think one of her best roles is when she is in the town. Um, I think she oh, right. absolutely killed it. But the fact that she like, I mean, I think you told me that she picked out her whole wardrobe for that. Um, yeah. Did a lot of um, sort of uh, adjustments to the script for like her character. Uh, I I think that it's it, it, it put her in more leading roles for sure. Exactly. So you know, so you know, like in the beginning, where she, where Stephanie first goes to her house, and she's wearing mm-hmm. that, like it's almost like a breakaway, like pantsuit. Like it looks like it's like a almost like a collared shirt. Yeah. And like, but she, they were going to have her in like this like dress, and she was like, no, I think that like Emily would like kind of want to, not like dress like a man, but like she would mix, she would mix it up. She would be more of like a, I'm a yeah. boss, but I'm also a lady, right? So it was mm-hmm. her idea to have the break breakaway like uh, pant- most of her wardrobe actually she picked. And like she picked a lot of her wardrobe, like the white suit where she goes to like the the cemetery oh, to go talk to the, the cane. The cane is iconic. The cane. The, so that was all her idea. Cane. Yeah, that's all her idea. And like that idea was based on the fact that director Paul Feig he dresses in a full pinstripe suit every time he directs stuff. So she wanted to create like basically like the female version of that, and that's how she came yeah. up with that idea. And she also, uh, it was her idea to kind of. Because uh, Ryan Reynolds had just made the Hitman's uh, bodyguard with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and mm-hmm. she had met him, and like they've interacted, and the whole like brotherfucker thing 
she improv that and she was like i wanted yeah. to have a moment where I, I want to have a moment where i could like kind of be she like one of the samuel L moment and that was her and like that, that's so funny too that that line is so funny it's yeah just, it's like because they kind of make fun of it but it's like also kind of a fucked up situation <laughs> yeah it's like yeah it's so great and like also kudos to anna kendrick because anna kendrick's always likable and like almost everything that she's in like mm-hmm. they play they played off each other so well so it'll be interesting to kind of see them play off each other again with the dynamics being like kind of changed now that they know what they're both about i um, bet they're probably excited to work together again i bet they had a lot oh, of fun yeah. making that movie. They, they had a lot like so like when i can't sleep sometimes like i will listen to like audio commentaries on like Everyone, they make fun of me all the time for having physical media. But the good thing about yeah. having physical media is that you can listen to auto co- audio DVD commentary and, like, and I, yeah, yeah. And it's basically like uh, people probably know, but it's basically like a director or actors like talking over the movie as it's playing and like telling you like how it was made and like what their motivations behind scenes and stuff were. And like that commentary has both of them and the director on it, and uh, they are hilarious on that together. Like you can tell they had like a great time working with each other nice and like uh the chemistry was very real and for those wondering why there's a sequel um a simple favor only costs 24 million dollars to make uh or no 20 million dollars to make but it made 53 million dollars domestically and 97.6 million worldwide and was a big hit when it came out on blu-ray and home release it got Mm -hmm. uh, even bigger audience by the time it was released for home viewing so it kind of became it like a lot of people didn't expect it to do well because they were like all right, well, it's the girl from Gossip Girl and Anna Kendrick. Yeah. But like, um, it really, it really kind of like you walk, you walk, and you're like, all right, it's Gossip Girl and Pitch Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like I used to be, I was actually on Real Talk, uh, working for them when this movie was coming out, and Dave was like, he was a big Gossip Girl fan. Like he, he can, he can believe that he liked Gossip Girl, but he was like all about it, and he was like, dude, a simple favor just looks like. It's Serena Van Der Woolen and the girl from Pitch Perfect, and I'm all about it. No. I don't care. I don't care what it's about. <laughs> it looks like it's Gossip Girl for the big screen, and I'm there for it. And she uh, you know, tried to distance herself from that, isn't she? Yeah, you know what? She's always kind of been supportive of what the show did for her. She's never like been like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about it." Um, she just didn't love her character, Serena. I mean, if you watched it, Serena is awful. <laughs> she's probably one yeah. of the most. Uh, and not awful because she's a bitch, but it's just like all the like decisions she makes, you're just like hitting your head and they get worse and worse across like six seasons. And like she had a hard time playing her because she didn't never she never quite understood her motivations, but she mm-hmm. also is aware that like she wouldn't have the career that she has now without the show. Without so she's it. always so yeah. like when they had like I think they had their ten year anniversary like a couple years ago and she mm-hmm. spoke she spoke for the Vandy Fair piece piece that they did. The only one that didn't talk was Pin Badgley. Pin Badgley has like this like weird relationship with Gossip Girl doesn't like talking about it because he probably thinks it was a lesser than experience. But you were on it for six yeah. years. It gave you it gave you a career. Like my thing is like yeah. suck it up and just like it's a short interview. You were on you were on a worldwide phenomenon show. Like give it up. Like be like yep. don't take it for granted for sure. I don't I don't think that with without that none of them would have careers. Um, I think Leighton Meester's. Had, I mean, what, what was she on after? Was she on Pretty uh, Little Liars? Uh, no, no. Leighton Meester did a show on ABC for two seasons. It got canceled. Um, you know, Chase Crawford's done well for himself. He's on The Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pin Badgley, of course, he's on You. He's done pretty. I mean, most of that cast actually, for the most part, has done well. And funny story, Josh Schwartz created Gossip Girl. Um, 
Leighton Meester is actually married to Adam Brody in real life. And Leighton Meester is basically the summer of Gossip Girl. And he also, used, he also used to date Rachel Bilson while they were doing the OC. They broke really? up. I think, I think they broke up mid-season three. So they had to w- work together for like a season and a half <laughs> as like not a, not a couple. Um, but all's well, all, all's well that ends well, though, because he was on their podcast. They had a really good time like revisiting the show. He's actually on two episodes I think they filmed one. Cool, and they had, no no hurt feelings. It's like no a, hurt feelings. I think I mean they're all older right now. They're all like four, a little like over forty, and like they've had time yeah. to like kind of like he's married now. Like she, you know, she was with Hayden Christensen for a long time. They have a daughter together. Uh, it's so funny how we had this like kind of like weird. OC it's all coming back around. It's all coming back together. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, they've all been kind of successful, and like I don't know, I like. I was I've I've been more excited to post movie news than when I saw that email about a simple favor. Simple I was favor. like, I, yeah. I was like, I, I was like, I don't even think I need it. Are they gonna it. Are they gonna call it? <laughs> are they gonna call it a simple favor too? Like, oh, hopefully, it, I, hopefully, I hope they have something maybe a little more imaginative than that. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and I also want to get to this because we always talked about screaming stuff, um, but um, officially, we already kind of knew this would happen, but officially. They're surviving members of Scream 2022, since no one wants to call They're it all coming class. back. Uh, yeah, Marissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Mason Gooding, Jasmine Savoy Brown are all officially returning. They all survived uh, the last movie. All really fun new characters, uh, so I'm very excited that they're all coming back. Um, interesting thing, I don't know if you remember when Mark was on um, talking about the new one. He said, I really hope that they finally take this new one out of Woodsboro because like, we've done yeah. that so many times. And the log line seems to indicate that they are doing that, that they are kind of like trying to create new lives outside of Woodsboro. That's all the log line says um, for it. But that would be really good if they actually take the action out of this location that they've been in across like five movies and kind of do something new yeah. with it. Um, it's time for uh, that city to get a rest. <laughs> yeah. And and also, um, this is a big news for fans of Scream 4, because Hayden Pantier was a huge fan favorite in Scream 4. Um, she's coming back for the next one, too. Um, nice. And it was actually she hasn't been pretty, in, actually, in a while. In a while. So I, she's been a kind of a hot mess lately. Like, she, her, really? and her, boyfriend, her and her boyfriend go out a lot. They drink a lot. And sometimes there's fights. And I know that she had a protective order against him at one point for abusing her Whoa. allegedly allegedly i'll say allegedly even though it was on team z and everything but they're still together and the last time i last thing i saw on team z was maybe a month ago she her and her boyfriend got to a fight with a bunch of people on a bar and it spilled out into like the streets and everyone was filming it so i will say this hannah pantier as kirby reed scream 4 has its issues but she mm-hmm. is by far the best thing about Scream 4 like her character is like yeah. is the, her character is the audience she's like the movie buff like she like uh, she her line delivery is perfect. Like she's Han Pantier is a funny person in general. I think she's mm-hmm. just really good at like comedy. So I hope for she has a quick sake, wit. Uh, she's very quick wit, and she's also a good dramatic actress. I used to watch Nashville with her on it, and she she's and, good in uh, Heroes and of course on Heroes. I hope that she has it together by the time they start filming. They start filming in June. Yeah, um, and um, it's just it comes with the territory, man. When you're famous, like people are gonna record you, so all of your fights are going to become public. So it, it, it sucks. But like, once you kind of get into that spotlight, you got to be uh, careful because everyone's watching. Yeah. So, yep. Scream starts filming in June. Uh, Courtney Cox has not officially been announced to be in it, but she has they definitely seen script, it. Though. 
they sent her the script and she's loved it and she but she can't talk about contracts and stuff. <laughs> Nev Campbell was actually uh interviewing for they are doing a TV show uh version of the Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. She's on that. They asked her on the red carpet about Scream and she said she couldn't get into it, couldn't talk about it. Uh so again, like every time there's a new scream, it's always like, are we gonna have Sydney? Is Sydney coming back? Mm-hmm. For a lot of for a lot of people, Nev Campbell, Sydney Prescott is Scream. And without yeah. her, it feels yeah, it's a double-edged sword for me because it's like I think she's great in the role, and as a horror how fan, how can like, she still like, be alive though? Like, right, that, right. Just in terms like how, of the story, like how many times can she be like, "Oops, I, I dodged yeah. a bullet again"? Um, yeah, and you, and you can also maybe say the same thing for Gail Weathers for Courtney Cox's character. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's survived across five movies, and like, um, you know, I thought what they did with Dewey, like I, I know a lot of people were upset that they killed. A legacy character, but they had to because it mm-hmm. they had to they had to raise the stakes and be like, you know, someone you loved and knew had to die, and yeah. like and, and you know I think we made it clear when we talked about it before the movie came out. I was like, <laughs> I'd be okay with Dewey. I wouldn't love yeah. it, but yeah. we could sacrifice Dewey can volunteer for tribute, and I'd be okay. I'd yeah. be okay with it. And, and you got your wish. It's, yeah, it's yeah, tough like, <laughs> with those franchises, man. It's hard because like. Let's just say for something like a Final Destination, you have a new cast every single movie, and so right. you don't really have to dance around sort of these plot issues. But I mean, you're an extensive Halloween fan, and like, there are some issues where it's just like, all right, he's still not dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they're just kind of like, all right, another one. Like, what's the story now? Uh, yeah. So with Scream, it's it's there are some time. I mean, I'm glad it's successful enough to have made it to that uh, level, and now we're getting the seventh one. But it's like you have to work around some plot issues and and at some point you just got to say fuck it and be like hey listen yeah, like this exactly. is a new movie and you're welcome so <laughs> yeah exactly um and uh, you know i'm hopeful that by moving hopefully moving locations it'll give it like a a fresh spin like i mean the last time they kind of moved away from woodsboro a little bit was in the second one cuz she was in college and uh and i think that's why the second one feels like so fun cuz it's like one it's coming off of a hit movie but also like yeah every, everything about it feels fresh and i think that with this new one, they were able to make it feel fresh. I mean, I was surprised, even though I'm a big fan of Scream, like, I was really kind of worried that this wouldn't work in 2022 because, like, mm-hmm. you know, meta humor meta humor is very much of its time for a lot of people. It doesn't really resonate yeah. with everyone. Um, but the guys who directed it and wrote it, I mean, I think, I think it was more of, like, a love letter to their love of that franchise, and I think that's why mm-hmm. it works. And the yeah. fact that it kind of it kind of made fun of itself, like the fact that it was like the fifth film in the franchise, it actually made fun of itself being that, and it was just a perfect amount of humor and like horror, and you know it really works. And I and I my only concern, even though this will come out March twenty twenty three, so it'll be over a year since this one came out, a part mm-hmm. of me thinks they're moving too fast. Like I would have liked a little bit yeah, more when time. They, when between. they announced, like I. We've talked about this multiple times where it's like, do you want to just get another movie out so that the hype is still there? Like, so people have their interests. Right. Um, like, with, with Avatar, it's been too long. I think people have already <laughs> lost interest. <laughs> but like, with, something like, with something like this, like, they announced the, basically the release date for the next one while the other one was still in theaters. Well, theaters, theaters, yeah. I was like, it's like, all right, like, let me like this one first, and then, <laughs> then I'll get excited about another right. one. Right, so, like, think of it this way. So they, they announced Scream all through, like, COVID. We're watching them film it. So, like, 
know, 2021, it, there's still news about the new one. We get to January, it's a big hit. But then it has its box office run. People are still talking about it. Then it comes out on Paramount Plus and then Video On Demand and all that. Mm-hmm. People are still talking about it. So then it feels like there's no, like, distance between, like, the announcement yeah. of this new movie and, you know, like, let me, like, kind of digest all of, mm-hmm. like, what you gave what you gave me. Because, like, I like yeah. what you gave me. But, like, I want to kind of have, like, a moment with it before we yeah. jump into the next one. And also, uh, you should... You should- give enough time too that you're not it doesn't feel like you're just rushing it because the last thing you want is for it to feel like we just tried to throw out the quickest thing we could put together because it's still on your minds it's like you we, you still want to see a good movie and that they took their time with it and like they made sure that to do it right um right. like I'll, the example i would say is deadpool like that was a good amount of time between the first and the second one um i feel like it now gave you time to be like, oh, I, it's been too long now for a third i know he's in the mcu I know, now and they, I know. they have to wait and they have to wait but like now it feels too long for the third movie and i know they're yeah 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 it's like the time i think two or three years is a good mm-hmm. waiting period if you want to make a sequel um like, for almost- i would say love and love and thunder too is doing a good job like we, i still love ragnarok but i'm hungry for more you know it's like yeah, i think exactly. that's a good, good time period for something else Yep, exactly. Um, so, uh, I kind of feel bad. I don't want to like this network TV. I just want to say that I don't know how much longer network TV can survive based on like mm-hmm. what's going on with network TV right now. Um, uh, the upfronts were all last week and a little bit in the Monday into the day. And upfronts are basically like the network revealing their fall schedule to advertisers. Schedule you find out what's renewed and what got picked up and what got canceled. Um, a lot of stuff got canceled. <laughs> um, especially if you were on the CW. So, you know, we <laughs> already lost, we already lost Batwoman and Legends of the World. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, they ended up canceling the third DC series. They got rid of Naomi. So now there are only wow. two, two Arrowverse shows on the schedule now. And that's Superman and Lois and The Flash. And I have a very strong feeling that this next season of The Flash is probably going to be the last one. Because it was Final a season. short it was a short episode order. Uh, Grant Gustin was in negotiations for a very long time. And that usually means that they were trying to negotiate maybe like a final year or, you know, deal mm-hmm. with him. Um but yeah, so that footprint will be gone. They also canceled. I don't even, I'm gonna like throw these shows out there and see yeah. if you even know what these shows are, and if Probably that gives you a good, not. and that even gives you a good indication of like the state of network TV. So this is what they yeah. canceled on the CW. They canceled In the Dark. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. or seen that? No. Uh, they they canceled Dynasty. I know. I've heard Dynasty. Yeah. Okay. They canceled uh, Charm, which is a reboot. They canceled that. Okay. Uh, they canceled the 4400. Nope. And they and they canceled Roswell, New Mexico, another reboot. Um, you would be, I you know, I would, you would be, I would totally understand if no one has heard of some of these because the CW has hits, kind of, <clears throat> but but you already know what they are. They're like The Flash or Riverdale. I determine like I determine my length for away from network television by what city NCIS is filming in now. It's like it's like they are like when I was I I was watching just yeah just regular and NCIS Los Angeles those were pretty much the only ones that were on it's like now we have CSI and NCIS Albuquerque I'm like all right so um the CW is like going through a rough thing right I mean they might get sold and I think that's what's happening with like the shows they're choosing to keep and which shows they're choosing to get rid of because they're kind of doing a dump. 
Yeah, it's like, and then it depends on what shows have what deals. You know, like, you know, it has a Netflix deal here, or it has an HBO Max deal there. I think that's what's mm-hmm. determining it. But they did pick up three shows. They picked up Gotham Knights, which is another DC show. They were really yeah. proud of the pilot. Um, so they actually have uh, uh, a reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger that's been on for three seasons. They're doing a spinoff series of that. They picked that up. And um, Supernatural has tried, I th- Supernatural has tried two or three times to do a spinoff, and it never worked out. But finally, wow. this one did. Finally, this one did. And they uh, are picking that up to series. And Jensen Eccles is um, I, I, I think it has to do with like the Winchester, like it's like with the, with girls. I think it's, I think it might be a prequel. Mm. Uh, and, but yeah, they picked it up. And, um, so that's good news. Uh, if you're Jared, Jared Padalecki, who's on Walker, Texas Ranger, he was also on Supernatural. And if you're mm-hmm. Jensen Eccles, it's good to be on the CW and be in business yeah. with them. Cause of course they had a 15 year run with Supernatural yeah. between the WB and the CW. And mm-hmm. now, and they're producing shows on that network now. And, they had a great um, run. And kudos to them because, you know, like, I've never really watched Supernatural, but I've always respected the, the grind, the relation, the, the grind <laughs> and the relationship that formed for those two. Like, they are like, they've constantly said they're like brothers that don't share blood. Like, they, that's how close well, and they also, are. Like, Supernatural, too, has a loyal fan base. And, like, Very there loyal. are some hardcore fans of that show. And I think it's really cool. I mean, it's to, to me like when I, I got into a sci-fi show, The Magicians, when it was on Netflix, and it's like, I really enjoyed that show, but it's obviously not for everyone. There's like a special, a small niche of people that kind of enjoy specific things like that, like the witchcraft and, and doing a lot of throwbacks that are kind of nostalgic to some childhood stories and stuff. Um, and I, I think it really works in the fact that they, it's, it's pretty dark. Like it's, I feel like they have, they basically got a total creative freedom to do whatever they wanted to do. Exactly. And I totally respect that. And the fact that they've, they did a TV show for 15 years, man. Like that's something that not a lot of people can say. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention this too. The CW also canceled legacies, which is a spinoff of the originals. That is only significant because between the vampire diaries, originals and legacies, that universe had like a 13 year run on the network. And that officially ends that run for a universe that was very good to the CW for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that just kind of shows you that, like, you know, they're going through, like, a weird transitional phase and nothing was really safe. Um, yeah. But it, it just wasn't the CW. I mean, like, uh, C- CBS, of course, uh, renewed all their FBI shows. So this all these all these choices are going to make my mom very happy. So they, they renewed mm-hmm. FBI. They renewed FBI Most Wanted and FBI International. Uh they also, I didn't even know there were three of them, man. Oh, yeah, see? Yep. Um, and they are all produced by Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf also nice. has shows on, also has shows on NBC. So he has, they renewed the Law & Order revival so that uh, they brought the original show back and they renewed yep. that. They uh, renewed Law & Order Organized Crime, which took, took Christopher Maloney's character from SVU and gave him his own show. And of course, SVU was already renewed. It was renewed under a three-season uh, deal. That show will it, that show will never be canceled until they all say, you know what, it's time to end. like it's going to yeah, be basically you know, the actors. And kudos actors to them because it's, it's it's the longest running live action series on on TV in general. Um, I think it's going on twenty four seasons, twenty five somewhere in there. Crazy. Uh, uh, they on ABC also making my mom happy. This is the only reason I'm mentioning it. So when she hears this, <laughs> she can be like. Uh, they renewed a million little things for season five, which is like nice. a million little things is like the this is us for ABC. Um, and 
my mom was like waiting on Jenny's, pins and needles. Jenny's like, happy. Yeah. She just said she loves <laughs> that show. <laughs> See? So my mom was waiting on like pins and needles. Like uh, she's like, Do you know anything about million little things yet? And I was like, they haven't announced it. And then they announced it on Friday. The caveat here is they, they didn't announce it as a final season, but like Deadline thinks that for those in the know that it might be re- this might be the final year because I think that the creators had like a six season plan for it. And I think that's what mm. they pitched to them. Now, what they were worried about, which is kind of scary if you are on network television and your ratings aren't great, they mm-hmm. told them not to write the season ender for this season as a series finale. They said write it as a season finale without the basically the because we're definitely going to renew you. So as mm-hmm. the creators, they were as creators, they were like, well, what if they renew us and we don't give like fans closure? We, so yeah, were, we don't fix the arc. Wait, yeah. I want to chime in on this one. Hi. Okay. Sorry. Hi. <laughs> um, the, yeah. I follow the creator on Twitter, and he was saying that they wrote this season finale with a major cliffhanger as a way to convince and like push the network to actually pick it up for another yeah. season. Boom. There you go. So remember what's funny is that we talked about this with Legends of Tomorrow because they wrote they wrote their season yeah. finale as a, as a cliffhanger, and the CW was like, yeah, you can't push us into renewing you and canceled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it is a risky move. Designated survivor. Yeah, it's a risky move to do that, but I think that they said that even though the live ratings aren't like huge for a million little things, it does very well on uh, DVR playback Stream. and, yeah. and streaming. Uh, and so like mm-hmm. it... It has like a, it's a, I've watched, I haven't watched the whole thing. I think I watched, I watched all of season one and I didn't like stop because it got bad. It's just like, it's, you know, there's just a lot that TV and mm-hmm. has to offer. Um, so yeah, she was excited about that. They also renewed Big Sky, which is like one of the only network TV, network TV shows I watch. Uh, nice. It's a, it's a thriller on ABC. They renewed it for season three. And How is that? I, I, I've always been interested in that. It looks really cool. So I, I think you would like it. it. It's a network TV show, but it has like streaming kind of cable sensibilities it's like a really dark uh uh it starts coming out like a serial killer kind of thriller basically Mm -hmm. and then like uh season two um i thought wasn't gonna be able to live up to that um but the story in season two is also good and then i will say this the first episode ends with like of season one ends with like the best like it's like it draws you in right away with the way episode one ends cool because you don't you don't see it coming um but yeah, it's uh, it's from David E. Kelly. He did like you know, of course, Big Little Lies, and like he's a really mm-hmm. good uh, television writer. And he 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 has said that he writes Big Little Sky not as a network TV show. He writes it almost as like it's a cable show or streaming show. And I think that's why mm-hmm. it creatively kind of does so well. And you know, of course, like ABC, they also renewed like the reboot of the wonder years uh fred savage will no longer be a part of that though because he uh <laughs> we don't, i still we still don't know what he did we don't know <laughs> what he did they just said disorderly conduct or something and i was like i'm so interested to see what he said or what he like he because he, he must have fucked up bad real bad for them to be like you're fired from a show yeah. that you were a star of as a kid and we put you on as a producer and as, as a director. household name to yeah, yeah it's like he must have done something pretty serious yeah, and they renewed the Connors, which has, to their credit, survived the whole like when you know. And of course, they had the Roseanne revival, and yep. then and then and then we they, they canceled her because of things that she said. And then like they're like, okay, well, what do we do with the rest of the cast who also want to keep this show going? So they spun yeah. it off, uh, created the Connors, it's and done. then and it's done very there. well. Um, and you know, every year they have like complex negotiations because like they didn't have a typical like six year contract because it started as like one thing. And then became mm-hmm. something else. So every year they have to renegotiate, but it always kind of works out. Um, they also renewed Home Economics, which I heard is funny. I haven't watched it yet, but it was with Topher Grace. 
Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm happy for that. And they actually renewed <laughs> Abbott Elementary. I forgot to, I said, I said Big Sky, but Abbott Elementary is probably one of the funniest shows on TV if you haven't watched it. It has like, uh, takes place, of course, in elementary school with amongst the teachers and like the principals and all that stuff. It's about like the people that work there. And it has like, it's kind of mm-hmm. like the office and like Parks and Rec kind of vibe. Nice. Um, it has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's should show you how good it is wow. for like a, network, a network TV comedy. That's impressive because uh, there's not a lot of that out there right now. So, so like if you're looking for something funny like that to watch, I'm really glad that they picked it up, and uh, it's it's also really funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I what I noticed with like all of these, of course, there's more renewals and cancellations, but I'm just like, I don't know how because they said that the renewals get more complicated because like the licensing fee goes up every year and with them go- with it going up every year and ratings not and live ratings going down every year it becomes harder hard to, to, kind renew, of judge it. to renew a show so it's like network tv isn't the last like real big network tv hit was probably this is us mm-hmm. and and like that hasn't happened in a very long time i mean that show yeah. is ending its run this season it's been on for six years so imagine like six years without like a true like oh yeah this is getting like 15 million viewers a week kind of yeah thing. that doesn't they happen don't have, they don't have that anymore this it's just not gonna work people want to watch tv when they want to watch it they are not it's the days of i'm tuning in every tuesday night is over i think the only thing people still do with that is the bachelor and that's yeah. like when people will they plan for mondays and that kind of thing but it's just yeah. for, for a drama show that's People aren't really lining up to to sit down and watch TV at a specific time. They want to do it on their own free time. Yeah, and I hate to say this, but you know, streaming, uh, not just streaming. I think cable, HBO, Showtime, it's hard to compete as a network show when like they they don't really have limitations on streaming uh-huh. and cable. And like network TV is restricted by, of course, being on network TV, everyone can watch it. No, even if you FCC. have a show that, yeah, if you have a show that airs at ten, you still can't do whatever you want. There's no like you can't say anything. Yeah. It's not the wild, wild west on network TV. So I think that's going to always be the problem. And like, I don't know how, and I think that's why certain networks are kind of pivoting. Like, you know, NBC is like, maybe if it doesn't work out on network, we can move it over to Peacock because at least we have that. And maybe it'll yeah. do well streaming over there. I think a lot of networks, I think that's the only thing that can possibly save some of their stuff in the years ahead. If they can kind of like mm-hmm. make make deals with streaming services that will kind of, mitigate the losses from not getting the live numbers that they, the viewership they used to get yeah yeah but, but it was it, it was depressing you know? yeah it was yeah, depressing though it was like all these shows like you know i magnum pi got canceled after four seasons and i felt so bad because jay hernandez on his instagram like when he when the final episode aired I, I he was a producer on that show he must have had conversations with cbs where he was like You're, we're definitely bringing you back because he sounded very confident and then they canceled it and Damn. I think a lot of it, and like a lot of it had to do, of course, with like it was the licensing fee again. Even though Magnum PI was doing pretty decently on Friday, it's like becomes more expensive, and like they have to work out all these new deals. So it just kind of shows you that not everything is always safe. But the one thing that is safe for network TV is if you get a producer like Dick Wolf, and you get him yeah. to produce like all your procedural shows, because the fact that he has FBI on CBS. Not only does he have like the Law and Order franchise, but he also has uh, the Chicago shows as well, Mad P yeah. and Fire. So you, I mean, that's I, that's what you gotta do. 
Yeah, I think Chuck Lorre too. He's got a good run and a good history, so that's like I think he's got some some good luck. But didn't he just have a show that got canceled though? Uh, he actually had two: uh, B Positive and The United States of Al. Both got B canceled. B Positive they- looks terrible. Um, I'm not a fan of CBS comedies, <laughs> so <laughs> I think most of them don't look that good. Yeah, um, I know. I know the United States of Al had the whole angle with like because it was about like a war vet, and it, they talked a lot about like the war in Afghanistan, and kind of made that mm, kind of kind of threw that into it, and like a lot of people did like that. They thought one of them was going to survive, um, and it, it is crazy that they canceled. I mean, he still has like. I heart Abishola, or like Chuck Lorre does. I forgot. <laughs> I think that's still there. And Young Sheldon, of course, is still there. But Successful. Like, yeah. Yeah. But like, usually, you don't, pr- usually, canceling two shows from like a mega producer is not what you do normally. It's not pretty common. Yeah. But, but I think it kind of shows that like maybe that relationship could be ending. And I know he has deals with like Netflix as well. So it's not like he's like hurting mm-hmm. for jobs or money. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, I'm, I, I wish there was like a way out. Like I said, I think I think only new streaming deals would can kind of help network TV. Yeah, at this point. that's kind of the way that everything's headed this this day and age. Yeah, but yeah, um, that kind of about covered. There wasn't like a ton of like new stuff going on because Firestarter mm-hmm. was the only new movie that opened. Yeah, uh, and then Doctor Strange was still number one this weekend. It did drop sixty seven percent. But when you have like a big opening weekend like that, after uh, you're not going to make one hundred and ninety million again, <laughs> again. So, uh, so. <laughs> No one, no one at Marvel or Disney is like, oh god, like it's yeah, it, I, it's supposed to make a bunch. I still think like uh, uh, a billion worldwide is possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so like, there's that. So there wasn't like a lot in the way of uh, news, and like, um, I just, I kind of decided in the middle of this episode we were going to talk about the Lost World Jurassic Park, but I think what we'll do as the new one comes out June 10th, we'll kind of revisit. We'll wrap all of them it into, uh, into that one. Yeah, we'll revisit all of them and. Um, because uh, I'm looking forward to how they end. Because uh, Chris Pratt said this is a definite end to this trilogy of mm-hmm. uh, the Jurassic movie. So it'll be interesting to see how those play out. Um, and then uh, later in the month, we'll be able to talk about Top Gun Maverick. I saw it already. Um, I saw it last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the review embargo is already up. So like everyone's already been talking about it. It has like a 90-something percent of Rotten Tomatoes. People are uh, really I, enjoying it. You know, like, uh, of course, we'll both be able to talk about it when uh Owen gets to see it uh mm-hmm. in the in the May. But like I was I'll just say I think I've, I've been telling people it has no business being that good. Like that's, that's yeah. how that was the takeaway I it I looks fantastic. Me. It looks really good. I'm really excited. So yeah, so like we still have you know and I think that's like the next big summer release is Top Gun Maverick. Uh yeah. at, um, Memorial Day weekend. So we'll definitely dive into that. And I know we have like uh we're gonna bring back uh, back to the blockbuster approved ahead of Top Gun Maverick coming out, and it's going to be all about Tom Cruise, whose career has been all perfect. over the place. His yep. career has been like all over the place, so he'll be a fun one to kind of, I think, look back on. I uh, think also his personal life and is all is going to yeah. be fun to dissect yeah. a little bit. It's going to be hard not to mention the couch jumping and the Scientology and the and his three wives <laughs> that he divorced as soon as they hit a certain age. That's when they hit, yeah, there's like he he's. You know what? He's a great movie star, but he's got he's got yeah. something going on. Something. He's not, yeah, exactly. But yeah, but yeah, this is a fun little news-heavy uh, episode because like we were able to talk about just some of the stuff that's been going on in the industry and like, yeah, I thought this was fun. Kind of, yeah. I always enjoy, it, man. Would not, wouldn't want to do anything else on a Monday night. It's always great. No, except maybe sleep more today because we're both wrecked for yeah. the weekend. <laughs> exactly. Get a little um, more yeah. rest. But yeah, as always, you can sign us off on. 
Yeah, guys, I just want to say thank you for um, tuning in today for this one. Um, really enjoyed just uh, talking to Gates, especially about stuff like the OC. Um, really excited to keep watching for that and just like kind of continuously update um, kind of where I am in the show. And it's fun to um, to really dissect some of our uh, old favorite shows and uh, and movies. And so it's good to just, even though we like to talk about all the new stuff coming out, it's um, there's a reason we started this podcast, and that's because we just love TV and film. So it's uh, it's always good back to to go back and watch some of the um, the old classics. Um, but uh, thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify. That's how I like to listen. Uh, huge shout out to Playlist. They are um, such a great partner of ours, and we just want to give them uh, their kudos. They've they've always just been so um, so great to us. So just want to shout out that, and um, hope you guys tune in next week. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. And by the way, you good. will know you will know when we get the fucking Oliver text from Owen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I we will update you as soon as I get the fucking Oliver text once he gets to those exactly. of the exactly. OC. Because if he's like all of us who watch that show, he will definitely say fucking Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> I so, can't wait. So look, so look out for that for guys. <laughs> Sounds good. Right. Peace out.